step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and co-host, Patricia Glover-Howard. Hi, Patricia. Good evening, Bernice. Good evening, Patricia. Well, Patricia will monitor the chat room and post comments concerning our discussion tonight. Well, I'm so happy to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, please sign in through Blog Talk Radio. Well, tonight's show will focus on how to keep your family connected with Mitzi Purdue. Now, we have had previous shows on how to communicate and talk to your family. We've had shows on writing your family story, blogging, gather, gathering oral history. But Mitzi will provide tips, techniques, and checklists to help families thrive. One of the most important parts of this has to do with knowing your family's stories. We are the stories we tell ourselves, and if we don't know our stories, it's in its own way a little like having Alzheimer's disease. Without memories, we lose one of the most basic factors that make us us. And this is a quote from Mitzi. Well, Mitzi holds degrees from Howard Univers—excuse me, Harvard University and George Washington University, and is a past president of the 35,000-member American Agri Women, and was one of the U.S. delegates to the United Nations Conference on Women in Nairobi. She currently writes. 
for the Academy of Women's Health and GEN, Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. Her books focus a lot on knowing the family stories. So let me give a warm welcome to Mitzi Perdue, to research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Mitzi. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to be with you all. Thank you. Well, it is a thrilling occasion to have someone come on and talk about keeping families connected. That I mean, that's what it's all about. Uh, because this could be a really challenging task. When you, when you think about it, families may be dispersed throughout the United States and, and may only see each other, well, on rare occasions. So let's explore your templates, techniques, and resources you have developed to strengthen your family legacy. So, Mitzi, take us from your from your beginning, what have you done? Why have you considered this a very important uh, dimension of your work to talk about how to keep your family connected? I talk about it because if you think about it, aren't the greatest happinesses you've ever known and the greatest miseries you've ever known come from your family? And, you know, it's just, it it's... I don't think there's any way of expressing how important families are to us and and just what a fantastic part of our identity they are. And my view is that we should do everything we possibly can to to, to strengthen and nourish the connections that, that help keep a family strong. And newsletters are totally a way of doing that. I got the idea because almost 30 years ago, Frank Perdue, my late husband, and I were driving back from seeing his daughter in in Virginia, and it was like a five-hour drive, and he got to talking about how it was, there was so much that he, now in his 70s, knew that he wished he could share with his children and those who came after him, but he said, oh, you know, how do you do it? There, there's several generations, and they're living all over the country, from California to Maine, and I told him what my father had done to to help, you know, encourage his children to know their family stories, and that is my father, who was the co-founder of the Sheraton Hotel chain. You know, he's a busy, important executive, but he still every or most Sundays he'd have what we called Sunday Family Hour, and after church services, he would prepare an hour of telling us about. You know his family stories, or about the stock market, or you know how how it worked, or 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 why it was important to be frugal. I mean, he'd just tell us a hundred things. But when I told Frank Perdue that, Frank said, "You know that just it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work because you know first of all, I would be embarrassed to stand up in my family in front of my family and lecture them. That's just not my style." And then he also said, you know, what do you do because the family's all over the all over the country? And so the answer that we came up with, and it was such a good one, and I recommend it to absolutely everybody, uh, it was write newsletters. And the way it worked would be I would interview him about things that, that were important to him. Like he was, you know, he felt that being trustworthy was the most important thing of all. 
we also felt that, well, being frugal was important, to live way beneath your means, uh, that you don't need to, you know, here he employed at the time of his death close to 20,000 people, but even so, he used subways, and he went economy class when we traveled internationally, which we did because Purdue Chicken gets sold, you know, in approaching 100 different countries, and, and we used to travel to those countries. But whether we were in Moscow or Beijing or Tokyo, we used the subways. So it, so being frugal was very important to him. And uh, in the newsletters, every newsletter was designed not only to tell a family story, but to tell a family value. And initially, I would interview him about things that were important to him. But then, you know, as the years went on, I began realizing that the newsletters were important, not just for his thinking, but what about the aunts and uncles and grandmothers? And so I began interviewing them, and I'd learned the most wonderful stories. Like there was uh, an Aunt Mary, and dear Aunt Mary, I bet she was born around 1900, and I'm going to guess that she was 80 or 90 at the time of this story. But I came to call on her and just ask her about her childhood, And I noticed that she had a nightgown that at one point had been pajamas. But because she was very frugal and she couldn't stand waist, uh, she had taken a seam ripper. And I want you to imagine a pair of pajamas, the bottoms of the pajamas. If you take apart the seam that joins, you know, the, the inner seam that would go up one leg and down another, if you, with a seam ripper... If you take apart that seam, you could sew the pajamas so that they would be, uh, you could sew them together so they're more like a skirt. And she said that she had done that because it, it kind of irritated her at her age. I guess it irritated her skin to have pajamas while having a nightgown was a lot more convenient. But what a neat thing that, that somebody was frugal enough not to go out and buy a new nightgown, but to recycle the old pajamas and turn them into a nightgown. Well, that's the kind of thing that I wrote in in the newsletters. And then I wrote things, you know, it's terribly important to families to know how to deal with with different crises or, or wonderful events that happen in a family's life. And I'll mention a couple of the the sadder ones, like supposing... Supposing a family, somebody's undergoing a a serious surgery, it's so important to let family members know how to handle that, Uh, you know, the the grace and courage that that you can have. Or I can remember one with, with my late husband, with dear Frank. He was diagnosed with a terminal disease. He knew he was going to die. And... I interviewed him about how he felt about it. And that means that, you know, like 60 family members could get to hear about kind of the grace and courage with with which he faced his end. And I just admired that so much, but it's a story that it's a role model that that people now, in our family at least, know about facing death with grace and dignity. Uh, but then there are happier things like like traditions of, of how we handle engagements or weddings. And 
in the newsletters, the, the book that I wrote, How to Keep Your Family Connected, I know that not everybody is a writer. I'm a writer, so it was fairly easy for me to write it. But realizing that that the stories that, that bind a family together, and again, we are the, fa- the stories we tell each other, realizing that not everybody is a writer, I created templates. And I've got, I'm, I'm looking at the book right now, How to Keep Your Family Connected, and it's available on Amazon, by the way. And uh, I highly recommend that you get the... Uh, the digital version of it there's there's 166 pages of template newsletters for for various kinds of of issues that are going to come up in a family like you know like what was grandmother like uh, what was what was grandfather's advice to you on starting a career or what about things like how to be a winner, act like one. These are all newsletters where I have each chapter is on a, on a different life issue that, that you're likely to face. And each chapter has why the newsletter is important. And then it has a, a sample newsletter taken from one that I actually wrote. And then next, it has a fill-in-the-blanks one where you can apply it to your own family. And then, in case you are a writer, the the final part of the chapter is questions that if you don't want to use fill-in-the-blanks, it can just be questions of, of, of what you might want to think of. And I'll just give you an example um, of one of the family newsletters that I was really proud of. There was a newsletter in which one of the children was asking, how do I fit in this family? You know, everybody else seems to be you know, going to great colleges and getting great marks, and I'm just a normal kid. Where do I fit in? And Frank Perdue wrote her the most loving answer. He told her, because of your caring heart and your your loving approach to life, you're, you're as valuable and precious and treasured as, as anybody in the family. Well, the if there, there's a sample newsletter of how to deal with the question of a, a child wants to know where he or she fits in the family, and there, there's the there's the regular newsletter, there's the fill-in-the-blanks one, and then there are questions like uh, sometimes people in the family wonder that if they if they fit in, how do you feel about that? Oh, do you feel accepted? Do you feel that there's too much pressure to perform? Do you feel that your particular gifts are valued? Do we focus too much on academic success or monetary success? How should we measure the real worth of each of us? So each, each, uh, each chapter gives you various ways to to create a newsletter. Well, Mitzi, now how often? Would you or are you recommending that a family put together a newsletter? Well, in my case, I, I initially started out it was going to be six a year, but then they were so popular, and the feedback that I got from everybody was, you know, when the newsletters came, people would drop everything to read it because I think people really crave for guidance from from the older generation. 
so as a result, I began, you know, in a very short time, I began writing them every month. And now the funny thing is, they've been going on, you know, for several decades. I'm instead of once a month, they're probably once every three weeks because, you know, there's news. There's there's family members who've gotten married. There's centennials in in the company. Uh, you know, there's just news. And if you want to keep the family together, they have to know what's going on. You you can't love and protect and cherish what you don't know about. And by the way, I I mentioned that I do newsletters for the Purdue family, but I also write newsletters for my family of origin, the Henderson family. And mm-hmm. since I know that we have genealogists listening, I wonder if 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 I could tell a story about how important a genealogist just in the last few months has been in my life. Go ahead. Share your story. Okay. Uh, there's a genealogist, and... I kind of hope she's listening. Her name is Nancy Paxa. And I knew that my family of origin, the one that started the Sheraton Hotels, by the way, we did sell the Sheraton Hotels when my father died, but my father did start them. But that was a continuation of something we called the Henderson Estate Company. And I knew that we had had reunions since 1890, so I always kind of assumed that the family began in 1890. But then one day I started thinking, you know, if we've had reunions since 1890, was it possible that the family had started as a family business before that? Well, I knew of Nancy Paxer. She's a little bit famous in her field. And I I wrote to her on the Internet and asked her if she could do Internet research or if she could do research in some of the old dusty archives that we have. And she was willing to do it for a fee. And she was able to trace back through all these records that I guess genealogists know about and I don't. She was able to trace back that the family company began in 1840. So it was 50 years older than I'd, that I and the rest of the family had thought. And, you know, it's, it's just it's a neat thing to have a record to know that between 1840 and today that the Henderson Estate Company's always been run by Henderson. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to express how neat it is to, to learn some exciting fact about your family that only a genealogist could, or somebody familiar with genealogy and able to do the research could find out. I just love it. I mean, oh, what a great thing. Well, that that is one of the things that... Uh, I think it keeps us excited, and and certainly it provides us with an opportunity to to research and find out more about our family. Uh, but when you're talking about the 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 newsletter, you're talking about how are we gathering information on current events, as well as engaging the elders and sharing with us some important life lessons. And just listening to you as you spoke of of communicating with those role models and those people who could share with us the wisdom, that's one of the things that we we need to look at right now because we all we all born to die. And if we don't right. capture and, and, you know, it, it that wisdom so now, we're going to lose it. Yeah, 
because I've I've felt with so many things that I wrote, you know, since it's been going on for almost thirty years, uh, quite a few of the elderly people that I wrote about, you know, they were in their eighties and nineties, and they have gone to their great reward. They have passed, and their stories would have been lost if I hadn't, you know, telephoned them or or driven over and spent some time with them, just taking notes. Uh, I'll tell you how I write a newsletter, and that is, supposing I decide that I'm going to interview Aunt Alice, uh, and let's say that Aunt Alice is, oh, let's say 85 years old, uh, I'll telephone her and ask her, and I'm going to assume that, that she's not living nearby, I'll telephone her and ask for an appointment and ask if she'd be willing to talk with me for half an hour or an hour, and then, again, this is how I do it. Other people may have better ways, but it's what works for me. When I've got her on the phone, I have my computer, actually my laptop, and it's on my lap, and I'm taking notes a mile a minute as she's talking. And, you know, again, in the book that I wrote, How to Keep Your Family Connected, I have I have sample questions that you might ask Aunt Alice. But you you can ask open-ended questions like, you know, tell me what school was like. Uh, what sports did you like? What was it like being a little girl in 1930? And in in almost every case that I've ever had, people want to tell their stories. And and as you get older, I think you you really want to share them. So it's in my experience, it's a nice exp- it, it's a nice experience for them as well as for me. So it's just you know it's an, an Every aspect that I can think of, it's a complete winner because people want to know their family stories. The people with the stories want to share them. And, you know, something else that I do with the newsletters, and I don't know of anybody else who does this. I mean, maybe there is somebody, but I don't know of anybody. After I've been writing the newsletters for maybe 20 years or so, it occurred to me that... You know, it's really great for the grown-ups to know the family stories, but what about the younger kids, like maybe from four to twelve? And the you know the grown-up newsletters, you know, they're they're long sentences and they're uh, kind of grown-up ideas. But what if I could write for the younger ones as well? And I created a newsletter for children, and in this newsletter, it's. It's a lot of the same information, but it's written in in a very simple style. And I've you know I've 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 tested this out, and it kind of works. That if you write really simple things, like uh, if I wanted to tell about what Frank Perdue's childhood was like, and to keep the kids engaged and enjoying it, I would ask very often instead of just. Yes, yeah, sometimes I'd tell stories, but very often I'd have them learn about their family through kind of funny quizzes. Like I'd say, when Frank was a little boy, and then I'd give him three. I'd give three choices, uh, and they're supposed to check off the right one. And choice number one was he used to love to sew pretty little dresses with his mummy's sewing machine. Uh, another one. Another choice was. Uh, he wrote a book on butterflies in China, and it's still used today. And the third one was, 
when he was four years old, his job was to go into the uh, the chicken coop and reach under the chicken's breast and uh, retrieve the chicken's eggs. And of course, it's you know they know that it's number three that uh, you know Frank Purdue wasn't sewing pretty little dresses and he wasn't writing about <laughs> butterflies. He was uh, he was collecting eggs, but. In these quizzes, they, they usually have some kind of information in them that the, that the kids are better off knowing. But that's not the end of the story. Every every one of the children's newsletters is designed to get across some value that, that we think is important. And, for example, if it's honesty, or let's take being frugal, because that that's such a big value. We... We we don't want any of the family members to feel that they have to keep up with the Joneses or buy the most expensive thing, because that's not what life's about. So well, the, one of the children's newsletters was on how great-grandmother used to love to bake biscuits for Thanksgiving, and she was famous for it. But when she'd bake the biscuits, imagine a baking sheet, and it's covered with aluminum foil. She bakes the biscuits, but then after she removes the biscuits from the aluminum foil, she cleans off all the crumbs and then scrubs the aluminum foil clean, washes it, dries it, folds it, and uses it again over and over again because she wasn't going to waste aluminum foil. And yeah, the lesson there is we are a frugal family. We do not waste. But mm-hmm. the the part that I'm most excited about is, in addition to the newsletters, I also have activities that go with the newsletters. So every time I write a newsletter for the kids, and in this case it's probably every other month, because I don't want I want I want them to be wanting more. Uh, there will always be a treasure chest of activities that go with the newsletter. So in the case of what I just described, the treasure chest will uh, have costumes for the kids. And there, there are about 22 kids who get these, and they're, you know, they're from California to Maine. The, inside the treasure chest is going to be a, a chef's costume, and there will also be the ingredients to make Mummy Do's biscuits. And so they get to, what, to make the biscuits. There's also some aluminum foil that... Uh, you know, and they do this with their parents. They they mix up the biscuits. They drop the biscuits onto the aluminum foil, and the the parent or the adult in their life will help them bake biscuits. But as they're doing that, uh, I, I include as a gift in in the treasure chest not only the ingredients for the biscuits and the aluminum foil, but also a chef's hat. You know, one of those great big white toques, and then a chef's apron. Yes. So so the kids, you know, I want the kids to really look forward to getting these newsletters because, and I also want them to spend an hour or so on each one so that so that the lessons of who they are and where they came from sink in a little deeper. And then there's a principle of persuasion that I like a whole lot, which is when, when you're doing an activity that's fun, that's pleasant, uh, the lessons sink in much more deeply than if you had just read about it. 
You know what, though? I We have some questions coming out of the chat room. But when you have competing priorities, even the kids, they now have the iPads or the telephone or the television, how do you get them to sit down, read the newsletter, and participate in the activities? I have found that kids almost hunger to know where they came from, that well, first of all, it does take some effort on the on the adults' part, but I think mm-hmm. the effort's worth it because tell me what's more important than than having a close, loving family, and knowing your stories are a big part of that. Which brings me to something that I'm just dying to share with everybody. There's research from Emory University that I think can make everybody who's listening to us can make their life better. And here goes. There's this woman named Robin Fivish and she runs the Family Narratives Laboratory. And they've studied, you know, for a couple of decades at least, she and her colleagues have been studying what does it take to have a high-functioning family. And the genealogists, I think, are going to love this. Uh, but first let me say what, what, what a high-functioning family is. According to Robin Fifish, if you have a high-functioning family, the kids are healthy both mentally and physically, they, they do well in school. They don't get in trouble with the law. They don't have substance abuse. They wait until they're adults before they have children. Uh, and generally, they, you know, if they, they, if they can, they go into college, but that, that's not necessarily part of being high-functioning. But if they don't go down to college, they, they get jobs. They they're employed. So you want high functioning. You want a high functioning family with high functioning kids. And how do you get it? Okay, here's the part that I think the genealogists will love. The more the kids know their family stories, the more high functioning the whole family is. And mm-hmm. oh, but I think if. If just from the youngest age you accustom kids to to knowing that their family's important, to treasuring it, I'll, the the better off everybody is. Like, as an example, the there's a center on substance abuse center on substance abuse from Columbia that says if you want to keep your kids from <coughs> excuse me if you want to keep your kids from uh, from falling prey to to illegal drugs, one of the most protective things you can do is have meals together with the family. If you have five or more meals together, and that's a chance to tell the family stories, you're, it's very, very protective against substance abuse. It's not a guarantee, but it's 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 proven to be just enormously helpful because if you're spending time with your family then your values are going to be the ones that that guide them rather than the more harmful ones for people who don't have their best interests at heart that they will that they will come across uh when they're not with their family so so all of these things they all center around knowing where you came from Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, and and knowing and knowing where you came from is is pretty much where we what we're all about. 
Now, I have some questions uh, from the chat room. One uh, of the questions uh, is, do you include historical data or mostly current data about your relatives in your newsletter? I actually work fairly hard to to have historical data because one of the things that both my families do is that we have an archive. In fact, in both families we have an archivist, which I love. Uh, Like one, one of the women in the Henderson family, her name is Roberta Henderson, and Roberta went to the trouble of digitizing 10,000 family documents, which means that if I, uh, if, if I want to say something about great-great-grandmother, I can give her dates, I can tell where she was born, I can, tell, I can just tell some facts about her. And that's available to me because Roberta Henderson digitized the archives. And then the Purdue family also had a professional archivist go through all our records. And so... I I loved I, I I just think the the more that we're that we're attached to the past the more healthy we are and, and the better we'll face the future. So the answer mm-hmm. to whoever asked that is yes, an enthusiastic yes to I I include historical data absolutely whenever I can. And that sometimes includes doing a fair amount of research like on the internet to find out just a little bit more about what the time was like when the person who was living through this just to to flesh out the story some more. Right. Well, we have uh, Susan Blakely, and she's stating that she also shares some moments and family history in the family newsletter that she puts out for her family. She says that she emails newsletters to her siblings, some of their children, once a month, letting them know about birthdays and anniversaries and that her family seems to uh, enjoy obtaining this information. Um, so uh, it's it's just great, you know, just to see others. Um, Angela is saying that she has occasionally written a newsletter, but uh, these days she puts her family history info on a blog, and she blogs about it. Okay, I th- I'm I'm in favor of absolutely whatever works, uh, and I suppose that sometime I'm I might switch over to blogging, but it's it's almost as if it's become a tradition to do it. Uh, I I do do it electronically. I have for for some of the older the much much older family members, uh, I I have hard copy that gets mailed. But in general, I mail out the newsletter in its format, just as an email. But but it's 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 a it's a PDF file, and it has illustrations and photographs, and I try to make it as appealing and nice as I can. Oh, but for for the listener who said that she that she does do this, oh, I'm I'm thrilled to hear more people are doing this because I want people to be happy, and I think that the more the more you're connected with your family the more healthy the family's going to be and the more happy everybody's going to be. So that's why I care about it. Oh, right. I want to And you're also, a... leaving, you're also leaving a legacy. So, Mitzi, we're going to take a quick, quick break and then come right back, okay, and continue this discussion.
Well, welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett, with co-host Patricia Glover-Howard. And you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where we will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Well, you have been listening to Mitzi Perdue, the author of How to Keep Your Family Connected. And Mitzi, let's talk about some of those sample questions that you have in your book. And I'm just looking at some sample questions about how important is family harmony. Tell us what kinds of questions would you uh, ask family members to to get this particular question uh, answered and put in a newsletter. Okay. uh, Can I guess that you're on page 31? Yes, you Uh, can. (laughs) Okay. Uh, some of the questions that that I would ask, and it's it's just so wholesome for a family to think about this. So it's it's a great thing to 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 put in a newsletter. How important is family harmony? And the person writing the newsletter can just talk about that. Uh, or how do we do we are we doing enough to encourage thinking of the good of the whole family? Do we do enough to? discourage people from being selfish. And, you know, if if families think about that, I think too often, too often we, we don't encourage people to think of we rather than I. And, you know, one of the reasons that I just love genealogy and that I love stories is that it gets us thinking of we more than just I. But some other questions that, that I would ask or that I would ask people writing the newsletter to consider. Uh, talk about what standing on principle means to you. Is it an admirable trait, or is it irrational virtue signaling and part of an addiction to being right that can lead misery and dissension in its wake? And I'll tell you what's behind that question. You know, it sounds kind of good to say, oh, I'm standing on principle, right? But in fact, it's... As far as family harmony goes, I think it's a terrible thing. I think in in the two families that I'm associated with, you don't win any points for saying I'm standing on principle because that's exactly the same thing as saying uh, I'm not going to listen to your side. I'm going to be stubborn. I don't care about what you think. I'm more important and holier than thou. So we, at least within the family, uh we don't encourage anybody to say in an argument in the family that I'm standing on principle because that is almost the same thing as saying I'm not going to listen to your side. Mm-hmm. Um, then some other questions that, that people might consider when when they're writing a newsletter on family harmony. Uh, does our family have an agreement never to bring in lawyers for a family quarrel? Do we recognize that when a family member starts 
going to a lawyer and has litigation against the family, that that usually means that the family's not going to survive. And I'll tell you why why I say that and and why <coughs> why I recommend that family members in the newsletter bring this up is I have friends who are family consultants and they say that by the time a family has a lawsuit against a family member that out of 2,500 times that one of the, the people I interviewed uh, out of 2,500 cases he doesn't know of one family that ever got back together again by the time that they had gone into litigation against each other so I'm, I'm hoping that, that none of our listeners or participants uh, are in any danger of having a lawsuit against each other, but <coughs> a lawsuit is usually the death knell of a family. So, you know, I strongly advise every family to do everything they conceivably possibly can to solve problems within the family rather than bringing in outsiders, and I mean, outsiders in the form of a lawyer. I mean, actually, I'm all for bringing in outsiders like like family consultants or family therapists. I, yeah, that's wonderful. Do it. But by the time you are so adversarial that you've, you've had a lawyer, you're probably not going to patch up that quarrel to anybody's happiness ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, mm-hmm. There's something that, that one, of, one of the comments in the chat room that I wanted to circle back to because... There was a question of how do you compete with with iPads and, and all these wonderful, exciting, addicting things that are on the Internet. How, how does the newsletter compete with that? Well, yes. I, I have a strong feeling on that. I'm not sure it can adapt to every family, but I know a lot of families who who have just decreed that there will be no screen time during family time, so that, for example, during meals, there are no screens allowed. I know of one family who, who, just so that there's no temptation, when when you go into the dining area, you have to give up your cell phone and your iPad, and they're stored like in a bedroom or something, so so that the family is spending their time interacting with each other. And. It reminds me of a kind of sad story that I heard recently. It's it's a guy who has two twins, and for a great big treat on their birthday, they were like 12, he took them out to one of the fanciest, uh, nicest restaurants that, that exists in his town, and it was to celebrate. And, you know, if, if you're going to a, a place that's really special, you know, that you celebrate that way so it was a father and son and his two sons time and they were chatting away having a great old time you know enjoying a a fancier restaurant than would be usual for them but they noticed that next door there was a father or the next table over there was a father and son and the father you know this is an expensive restaurant you know something where you would really only go to celebrate the the son was uh, playing games on his iPad, and the father was talking about some business deal on his cell phone. And you know, this expensive meal, you know, began and ended with with almost no conversation between the father and the son. And my friend 
told me that his sons were looking at each other just baffled at, at how how what was going on at the next table could happen they uh, and my my friend said that he's one of those families that has has the rule no screen time when during meals and he said that it was almost tragic about what the father and son who were you know, on a cell phone and an iPad, it was just tragic how much they missed out on because, you know, he and his two sons were just having a wonderful time reminiscing and talking about future plans and connecting emotionally. You're not connecting emotionally when you're having screen time. Right. Not only that, but, I mean, I, I'm I'm watching some of the discussion in the chat room and they're mentioning food. Uh, you're talking about food, but one of the things, uh, a fond memory that many people may share would be family recipes. And so how do you uh, bring those family recipes into your newsletter discussion and, and what it means to the family to have that special dish recreated over and over again for the family? Well, about once a year I do have a recipe uh, like for Mother's Day, the, the last Mother's Day, I Frank, Frank had three daughters and a son. I invited the three daughters and the daughter-in-law, so four family members, to write favorite recipes, and it's in the newsletter. And th- this was something to, that I know is going to be passed on for generations, where where they share their favorite recipes. And then, you know, another thing that we do, one one of of Jim's children is has just gotten engaged and we're going to have a shower for her this month. And one of the things that we're doing as part of the shower is everybody brings a favorite family recipe. So oh you know, food is just so important. I I think there's no way of underestimating the or I might think I'm trying to say overestimating the importance of of recipes and food because it connects you with or it can at its best connect you with your with your family history, uh, including like I, I told you earlier about the the, the case of where we had grandma, great grandmother Mommy Do's biscuit recipe, where where the kids actually made the recipe and then got to eat it. So uh, yeah, that that's an easy way to have a family or to fill up a family newsletter is to to include some recipes and particularly if you can make really simple versions of it that that the kids can make it's a wonderful thing in fact i'm i'm going to say something kind of personal about myself but when my kids were growing up they're in their 40s now i being 77 and proud of it well my kids when they were growing up i felt that we we didn't have the internet back then, but there was certainly television. And I used to tell my kids that your brain's going to turn to a cornstarch pudding if you spend time watching <laughs> television. And I used to allow them an hour a week. I wanted them outside playing or reading books. And uh, I'm I'm a big believer that the most powerful word in the English language is no. And so I had no problem telling my kids no. And I... You know, in the end, I think they turned out pretty well. But you know, we're at we're at a we have a different generation of people who may not say no, 
Or we have the the kids, whenever they participate, they all get a trophy. And so they have certain expectations or they're set up with certain expectations that as they grow older, they may not get some of those things. Uh, You know, but when I think of your newsletter, and I want to know, are you the only one that's writing the newsletter or are you growing family members to take on your legacy when it gets to the point where you don't want to do it anymore? Oh, the the answer is yes, absolutely. There's I mentioned earlier that the that one of Frank's grandchildren, the one who who said that, you know, where do I fit in this family when everybody else is going to great co- colleges or or they're sports stars or one way or another and you know, where do I fit in? I'm just a normal kid. Well, mhm. Uh, she has volunteered to to be the person who would be the the person who follows me, and then the the woman who uh, in the Henderson family who digitized ten thousand family documents, she will take over for me when I go to my great reward or get, or get tired of doing it. But I expect mm-hmm. to go to my great reward before I get tired of doing it. So you're going to do it until <laughs> I got yeah, you. Well, because I really enjoy it. To me, yes, you know, I hope yes. the people who read them enjoy it, and they tell me they do. And I, you know, the feedback is just—it's extraordinarily satisfying because, you know, I think they really appreciate it. But the other side of that is it's fun for me. I mean, I love asking, you know, interviewing some of the older people, or, or maybe say there's a new bride. Uh, I interview her about you know what's important to her what what she studied, what her hobbies were, what sports she liked um, mm-hmm. and and how they met and you know i love I love writing it, and the feedback I get is that the family members want to know well, I want to take you to another place now because you have this this book, how to keep your family connected. Uh, templates, techniques, and resources for strengthening your legacy. How do you disseminate this information? Um, and, of course, we're talking about it on Blog Talk Radio, but is there a, a Purdue Center somewhere where you provide educational programs for people to learn how to do this? Or tell us, just what what do you do? Oh. I I wanted the book to be self-contained so that anybody who has the book can know how to write newsletters. It's it's a how-to, so okay. you can get it on uh, you can get it on Amazon, and if you get the digital version, you can download the templates and just plug them in and use them. I I would love to give seminars on this. I'm a professional speaker, and mm-hmm. you know if. If, if there were an organization that, that wanted me to come as a professional speaker, I would like nothing more than to give seminars on how to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And so uh, as we get close to the end of the show, what parting words do you have for families and for individuals that want to really stay connected? They want to keep their family connected. Okay, the biggest advice that I have is this is one of the most important functions you have in life, 
uh, your happiness, your misery are going to depend on, on whether you get it right or not. And there's, there's a quote from Jackie Kennedy Onassis that makes all the sense in the world to me. And it's, if your children turn out right, nothing else matters. If your children turn out wrong, nothing else matters. And so the things that I'm recommending, yeah, they take time and they take a certain amount of, oh, my gosh, almost courage to, to go against the grain when uh, this gets to the, the same no part. But it's worth it because nothing is going to make you happier or more miserable than, than how your children turn out. So it's it's worth all the effort, all the time, all the courage that it takes to to do this. And fortunately, since you tell me that, that a good many of the people who are listening to us are genealogists, they get that, you know, even certainly without my having to say it, that that the effort to know where you came from, is the, the dividends for it are just beyond measure. So I guess my final words would be congratulations for choosing either a hobby or profession that does so much good in the world, and that is genealogy, knowing where we came from. Absolutely, and and we all feel that that's uh, extremely important to all of us. So, Mitzi, I want to thank you for so much for sharing your your book with us and for stressing the need to, to tell the stories that you uncover and discover to strengthen your family legacy. And please, everyone else, remember, your ancestors left footprints, and you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and Beyond. Beyond. You can continue this discussion on the Research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji and also watch for the Black Progen Live with host Nika Soul Smith. Thank you so much for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. And if you have not registered, remember, registration is open for the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute this summer in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And for those of you that are interested in writing your family stories, there is a track just for you. So, again, thank you for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. And also check out my services at BB's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.geniebroots.com. Well, I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and co-host, Patricia Glover Howard. Good night, everyone. Good night, Missy Purdue. Good night, everybody.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.